0: Just recently, I posted a video on, um, on my Facebook page, and uh, literally, I was in the bedroom with Becky, we were just talking about uh, the elections, we were just talking about it, you know, and uh, she was like, you know, I think you should post, you should make a video, I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, I said to her, you know, I don't really feel like doing this right now. And uh, she was like, you know, I really think you should do this. Anyway, so I, I listened, and I did one. And it was only like three minutes long. And it was basically what we've been talking about. To my amazement, she said to me, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this. To my amazement, I don't even know how many shares. Or, it's got over 2,000 views in the space of just a, a few days. I've posted it. And so many shares, so many comments, people messaging, messaging me just talking about, you know, how it's impacted them. And just how they view the, the, the leaders of the nation. And I'm beginning to realize the, the impact that social media has. You don't know how many people have come to prayer just because they saw something on Facebook you know, or they saw something somewhere online. You know, how many of you first heard about this online? Okay, So there's even a few people here that the first time you heard about this was online. Okay, And these meetings we're doing now, they're, they're going to be regular, this meeting has called Furnace for a reason. Uh, I won't go into the details of that. But the point is, we want to do these meetings on a regular basis for the purpose of keeping a momentum of worship and prayer and teaching consistently. We do the book camps, which are six week long. Every so often, the next one is probably going to be November, October time. So we want to have regular meetings like this where we're just continually just fanning the flame, meeting to worship, to pray, to seek God, It will bring a prophetic message about what God's saying. But I'm saying all that just to give a lot of you an idea of where we're at, but also to make a declaration here. When I, when I look at this movement with the eye of the Spirit, I see a movement that hell is afraid of. I see a movement that I know heaven respects and it's a high value to God. What is going on with this movement is precious to God. Not because it's me. If I wasn't a part of this movement, I will be coming to (laughs) this. Because someone said, find what God is doing in your generation and throw yourself into it. Don't ask God, Lord, you know, bless what I'm doing. Find what God is doing and throw yourself into it because there's a lot of things we're asking God to bless that did not originate from his heart. Okay? And we may be crying out to God, God bless this, God bless this, but actually, it's not something that originated from his heart, so it's out of illegitimate authority. And you know, it could look good to the world, in fact, as God leads, I might even touch on this later, because There's a lot of good things going on in the church that's functioning out of illegitimate authority and wrong identity. What do I mean by that? I mean Jesus was tempted to turn the stone to bread because he could. That would not have been a temptation if Jesus couldn't turn that stone to bread. So Jesus could turn that stone to bread. If you were there and you saw Jesus turn that stone to bread, what would you have said? Wow, a miracle. God has done something amazing. You would have probably praised God and go, wow, this is amazing. But you wouldn't have known that Jesus was functioning out of illegitimate authority and wrong identity because the temptation was about his identity. If you are, do this. In other words, prove who you are by your activity. So how many things are going on in the church today where we're activity driven, we're preaching to impress people, we're singing to show off our talents, we're doing things because we want to prove who we are, but not out of what God has called us to be. We function out of being and not out of doing. The doing should come out of the being, but most of the church is focusing on the doing, the doing, the doing. We want to look good to people, but we're not looking good to heaven and hell. In fact, we're looking good to hell because they just want to, they're just laughing at us. But we're not looking good to heaven. We're not tools in God's hand. So when I look out at this movement, I know this is a significant movement in the heart of God. And not just this prayer movement, because it's not just, for me, it's not just about the name prayer stop. It's about what God is doing across Great Britain. The prayer movement across this land. I I hear the rumblings of a prayer movement like it's underground. You know, like it's it's just coming up. And it's going to cause an earthquake in the nation spiritually. And it's going to release the outpouring of God's spirit like never before. There is a prayer movement. Wow. As I say it, I see it. There is a prayer movement that will precede the revival that everyone is uh, praying for and crying out for. You go around churches in the UK right now, people are saying, we want to see God move. You know, we want, we want God to come. Do you know, to, to, to abdicate our responsibility out of revival is wrong. To say revival is just God's responsibility is wrong. Because revival is not just God's responsibility. God works with man to release revival. Yes, there are moves of God where God comes and pours out His Spirit. But every single time, as far as I've seen, there's always been a person or group of people who gave themselves to seek God in a radical way. And they were the prayer movement that preceded the outpouring of revival. Manchester is... Uh, uh, Manchester carries a forerunning anointing. Manchester is an apostolic city. Manchester is called to start things first. Thing, Manchester is, is a place that births things in the Spirit. A lot of ministries have been birthed from this Manchester that have affected the world. A lot of ideas have come out of Manchester that has affected the world. This city is important. So the fact that we're placed in this city is actually prophetic, in my opinion, of what God wants to do in this nation because... I know everyone else is going to say that about their own city. Sheffield will say that about Sheffield. Derby will say that about Derby. London will say, oh, God is going to start here first. I don't know about any other city, but I know this city is a forerunning city. So this city is going to go ahead in many things, even spiritually. And I believe this movement is part of that. We're going to be a forerunning movement, preparing the way for what God wants to do. So when I look across the room, I see a movement that hell is afraid of. I see a movement that heaven is rejoicing over. And I see a movement that will usher in a great awakening. I really do believe that. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I am called as a missionary to this nation and I've married this nation. My wife is British. I've married this nation, and it's a prophetic marriage. Because I am called to be a prayer leader. My wife is a worship leader. And there's a marrying of the worship and the prayer that's going to give birth to justice. Which is justice? This, our, our child is called justice. The justice of God is going to be revealed over this nation and the righteousness of God. Maybe we should go out next to our righteousness. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Okay, but the point is, I believe there's something prophetic going on here. And actually, where I'm trying to go with saying all these things is, I believe we're going to see stadiums filled. Okay? And this movement is going to be a forerunning movement in seeing stadiums filled, not for the purpose of just having a great event, but gathering the people of God to seek God. And there's many prophetic words about this. And I don't want to go into all the details, but I really believe the day is coming when we're going to have prayer gatherings in stadiums. We're going to see hundreds of thousands of people gather together to fast And to pray and to seek God for this nation. And it's not going to be big names that's going to draw them there. It's going to be God that's going to draw them there. Because you know what? You know God is moving. When the people of God are gathering to pray, not because a great preacher has shown up. Or not because a great singer has shown up. The prayer meeting is the measurement of the spiritual, it's like a spiritual barometer to measure the temperature in the church. When the church is on fire, the prayer meetings are well attended and responded to in a good way. But when the church is lukewarm, you see it in the prayer meetings too. Are you with me? So I really believe God's doing something in this nation. And I believe prayer is a key part of that. Now, I want to share briefly first about the elections that just happened. Because many times when these things happen, I am asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying in this? What is going on? Because nothing happens on the earth without heaven's, heaven's awareness or approval of it. God has an agenda for Great Britain. God has an opinion, you know. We don't always hear God's opinion, but God has an opinion, and God's opinion is not always, listen, politically correct. (laughs) God is not concerned about being politically correct. God is not concerned about impressing people. Okay, we are concerned about impressing people and impressing each other. And actually, popularity-driven Christianity is killing the apostolic expression of the church. Where we are very much celebrity culture-driven. If this meeting was announced as a meeting and we were going to have T.D. Jakes here, I guarantee you we would not be able to get people in this place. (laughs) I love T.D. Jakes, by the way. (laughs) But the point is, we're very personality-driven. And people. And one of the things I love that uh, Becky said on that video, I didn't get her to say all those things, by the way. <laughs> one of the things she said, she said when she came to uh, the prayer meetings, it was just all races and all ages, and it was people coming together just because of God, not because of anything else. And that is why I want this movement to continue to be about God. So we, we need to start to diminish and get rid of all the personality-driven stuff and begin to really uh, hear what God is saying and go after God Because there's many things going on in the nation right now that are not... There are many big things going on that are not significant as far as heaven is concerned. And there are many small things going on that are very significant. And I'm not saying that to say we should be small and it's okay to be small. I believe God is concerned about numbers because it's not just about one. God is concerned about the one soul. But God is also concerned about the one billion, two billion, three billion souls. Because they're all one soul. just a lot of souls put together. So the point is, I, I do believe there's a place to calling people to pray. And um, before I go into the elections, I need to say this as well. Uh, I know there's some of you who have started prayer groups. Um, how I see it in my mind's eye as I think about this movement is not just a movement that gathers people together to pray, uh, but is a movement that releases people to lead prayer. Now, some of you may have the vision to lead prayer. Some of you may not. Maybe you already do that. But one of the things we're going to launch very soon, and I know some of you already signed up for that, actually is worth saying this again. If you've not signed up already, I encourage you to do that at the end of the meeting. Maybe see Pamela. Pamela, do you want to raise your hand? And this is what I want you to see Pamela for. If you already lead a prayer group or if you're wanting to start a prayer group, I want you to put your name, I give your name to Pamela because what we're looking to do very soon is to start a prayer leaders network. Even saying it makes me excited. <laughs> get generals together. Let's talk about war and strategize to take the land. <laughs> Are you with me? If prayer is as important as we make it out to be, then a prayer leader's network must be very significant in heaven if it's about advancing God's kingdom through prayer. And I know God is very big on that. If you don't believe me, Jesus is a prayer warrior. The Holy Spirit is a prayer warrior. Two-thirds of the God had intercede. So it's a big deal. So I, I think it's very important. So I want to say... Our heart is not just to have events, gather people together to pray or teach or whatever we do. It's kind of like to get people to be released to start something. And you don't have to call it prayer storm. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But we want to be connected to people who have a vision for the nation changing. Are you with me? Okay, so uh, the elections obviously happened and a lot of people were shocked. You know, I wasn't shocked because I prophesied it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I was surprised, actually, by, by the results of the elections. I was following, the, the you know, uh, 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 very closely, just, you know, very keen to see what's going on uh, on, on that level. And um, I was kind of really surprised. I said to Becky, you know, when things like this happen, uh, who are the, who are, wh- where, where's the voice of the church in that before this happened, who are the people that God is showing this to? Who are the, because before things happen on the earth, God reveals his secrets to prophets. God reveals his secrets to his people before things happen. And I'm asking this question because I just wonder, Lord, who, what are you saying about what's going on in Great Britain right now? What is, what is your opinion on this? Um, and I'm just looking and thinking, and this scripture came to me in Psalms. In fact, I didn't even plan to say this today, but um, uh, I think it's worth reading it. In this context it's psalms i think it's 75 psalm 75 how many of you prayed for the elections how many of you prayed keep your hand up how many of you prayed for god's purposes to be done over the nation okay god's will you prayed god we want the right government for this nation pray that okay now let's read the scripture because if we believe that our prayers are answered if we believe that god hears our prayers because one of the things we did at prayer time was we didn't just start praying for the nation. We started out by coming first to a place of repentance because that's one of the things that would disconnect us from God hearing us. We need to start from a place of humility before God, turning from our wicked ways, and then He would hear us. So I believe God heard those prayers. Are you with me? Because when Abraham was negotiating with God in intercession about the land, you know, he was negotiating about numbers of people that is very minute in comparison to the numbers of people we have right now with the right heart praying for the nation. At least there must be 10 people in the whole of Great Britain <laughs> that were somewhere in the right place contending, saying, God, do what you want to do on this nation." in this nation. Do, do you believe God is ignoring that? I don't believe God is ignoring that. So if we've really prayed in faith, then we've got to believe that God is hearing our prayers. So when this happens, we've got to say, okay, God, what are you saying in this? God, what is We got to see things with eyes of the Spirit. Look at this. It says, Exaltation, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Psalm 75, verse 6. For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts one down and he exalts another. Did you hear that? Yeah. Another, another uh, 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 translation would say, Promotion neither comes from the east, not from the west, not from the south, but God is the judge. He puts one down and he exalts another. What do you think? If we prayed and we know God heard us, then God has allowed what has happened to happen. Okay, So if we can see with that eye, then we need to be careful what we say about what's going on. Because actually, when God wanted to bring discipline to his people, when they were in rebellion, sometimes God would raise up a pagan king, anoint him, Cyrus, anoint him to fulfill his purpose. He's not saved. But God used him to fulfill his purpose. And we've got to understand that the ultimate thing is God's purpose. The ultimate thing is not my purpose. Yes, I do have a part to play, but there's a bigger purpose than me. Okay, so example, getting married. Marriage is not just about both of us and our feelings for each other. There is a bigger purpose over our marriage than just our feelings and what we think. And that purpose is God's agenda. You don't believe me? Look at Joseph and look at Mary. Joseph in the genealogy was was heir to the throne of David. If you read Matthew, Joseph was in the bloodline of David. Joseph who married Mary, he was in the bloodline of David. And there was a prophetic word over David that he would always have someone sitting on the throne. So, Uh, Joseph was born with a prophetic word hanging over his head. And that prophetic word was, there's always going to be someone sitting on the throne in this family line. And you're part of this family line. In other words, there's kings in your blood. So Joseph was born with that prophecy. God comes to Mary, okay, and gives Mary a prophetic word, speaks to her. And you know the story, Mary gets pregnant, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit, but not by Joseph's blood. Jesus had God's blood in him. Have you ever wondered why Jesus' blood is powerful? To wash away every human being's sin. Because before Jesus came on the scene, it was the blood of rams and animals that were used. But now it's Jesus' blood that washes away every sin. Because Jesus' blood is the superior blood that created every other blood. So his blood influences, so when his blood is shed, something happens because sacrifice releases power. I always say that. When something, even in the occult, sacrifice releases power. And when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, power was released in his blood because his blood was not an ordinary blood. It was God's blood. And we are all connected in that blood in some way because we know we we, we came from God. All things were created by him and for him. Even people that don't know God, people that don't live right, they have God in them in that the breath of God is in them. The life of God, without God, they're dead. So, it's God that's making everyone alive right now. Are you you with me? So, God's blood is superior. Now, God released uh, the Father God through the Holy Spirit, released uh, the conception of Jesus into Mary's womb. So, Mary is carrying the heir to the throne, okay, okay. But she has to be connected with the guy that's carrying the prophecy. Mary's carrying Jesus, whose throne will grow forever and ever and ever, and the increase of his government, there'll be no end. Mary's carrying the person conceived by the Holy Spirit, but Mary has to be connected in marriage to the the guy who carries the prophecy. So Mary could not just marry anyone. Mary had to marry Joseph. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked. Are you with me? (laughs) Because Mary was carrying a purpose. Mary and Joseph were carrying a purpose that was greater than their marriage. That's why you can't just marry anyone. God has... People say you can just marry anyone. God has... No, I believe God has a purpose in marriage. And when God brings people together, there's things he wants to achieve. And just as God can bring people together, guess what? Satan can bring people together too. And there's some demonic... Arranged marriages. (laughs) So be careful who you connect with, young people. Because you have feelings for someone does not make it right. You can have feelings for a thousand people. That's not to say those are the people God wants you to be with. (laughs) So the marriage, uh, our marriage, even though we are in love with each other and are walking a path of relationship together, there is a greater purpose than us. Are you with me? In the same way, there is a greater purpose that God has for nations. And when we pray, God, let your kingdom come and let your will be gone, uh, let your will be done. We do not let your will be gone, no. (laughs) Let your your kingdom come and let your will be done. We do not know how it's going to work that out. But there is a greater purpose that's greater than our feelings and what we think about some decisions. So, I believe God has put the conservative government where they are right now. The next five years are significant for Great Britain. And the government that would enable the things that God has on his heart to take place is the government that God has allowed to step into authority because the people of God have cried out to God for his will to be done. And sometimes will does not always align with your will. So if you voted for labor and you're upset, guess what? His will does not always align with your will. But we have to have the confidence in the fact that God is moving. And God puts one person up and brings another person down. And one of the things that God's been staring in my heart lately is just that's what I was calling you, Colette, the other day. I was calling her at like 11 p.m. I was like, oh, sorry, I forgot, I forgot it's this late. But, <laughs> but, but it, it was along these lines of, um, as we've been praying into government, as, as we've been doing this, I started to realize um, that God is releasing a prophetic mandate on prayer storm <laughs> for government. Because you had the dream. Becky's had the dream. I had a dream when was it? It was, oh gosh, I've got it in my phone. Uh, was it before the elections? It? I don't know. It, it was in the last week. I had, I had a dream, and I, I can't remember the day, if I had my phone. I didn't plan to say this, but I need to say it. I had a dream, and in the dream, I was at David Cameron's house, okay, with his, with his wife, and I was taking out rubbish, and I was just clearing rubbish. That was my job. I was just clearing rubbish from David Cameron's house. <laughs> 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 and, and i and i woke up i said i told you the gym i said like i'm cla- I, I i so i text a friend that i know flows in the gift interpretation and all that louis and it's like i think god's calling to pick up a mandate for government god is calling you to begin to intercede and take up a mandate to begin to pray in a specific way consistently for government because you're gonna begin to clear things out all kinds of rubbish that's going on you're gonna begin to clear it out Now, you feel that, don't you? I really believe there's something in that because I know you had a dream about... My wife had a dream about government as well, and I've had some prophecies about corridors of power opening up. And I said to myself, you know, there's there's this whole idea about prophetic identity. And what I mean by that is, when God speaks a word, if you believe the word is from God, a prophetic word, then you need to take on the identity of that word. So you need to act like you believe the word. So if God says you're going to get married soon. And that's a prophetic word straight from heaven. Then you need to start preparing like you're going to get married even if you can't see the man around because your preparation is taking on the identity of the prophetic word and it actually shows that you're walking in faith. So I've had all this prophetic word about corridors of power and influencing and connection and all those things and I start to think, Lord, I've had these prophetic words but I've not really taken on the identity. I think actually... I think it's connected not just to me, but to this prayer movement that we're called to take on an identity of a prophetic word that will cause us to be influencing governmental powers. And they don't have to know what we're doing. I I do believe we're going to have natural connections to people in power. But before that connection comes, how much more significant is it taking on the responsibility to to pray daily for David Cameron? do you not understand that when you start praying consistently for someone you gain a level of authority to speak over that person that you would not have if you were not praying consistently for them because as you pray consistently for them your your ears begin to open to what heaven is saying an intercessor is in between you're a voice of man to God but you're also a voice of God to man so an intercessor is also a pro- one who prophesies, an intercessor has to be prophetic, <laughs> you can't just intercede without being prophetic because you have to be discerning what god is saying about what you're praying for so i feel like god is saying okay i've spoken prophetic words over you about corridors of power now is the time for you to begin to activate those prophetic words by stepping into the place of consistent intercession for government see in daniel it talks about the prince of persia if you read the book i think daniel 9 daniel 10 uh daniel uh, 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 starts to pray um and as daniel starts to pray Uh, it says his answer was released you know what let's turn that it would make some sense Um, so this is probably daniel 9 or daniel 10 okay it's daniel 10 daniel 10 verse 1 In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Everyone say king of Persia. Persia. He was like in a position of, say, prime minister or president. Someone with great authority over a kingdom, a, a whole, you know, large empire. Okay? It says a message was revealed to Daniel. Daniel had a revelation in the third year of King uh, in the, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. A message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Beltezia. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I had no pleasant food, no meat or wine. Uh, meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Okay, I'm gonna pause there. He's talking about going into a fast. Daniel starts to pray and goes into a 21 day fast. Okay, that's what he's talking about, three weeks. Okay? And then verse 10 Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hand. And the person who touched me said to me, Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. See, that's what you gotta understand. Man greatly beloved. As I've looked through scriptures and angelic encounters, I've always noticed that there's always been prayers that surround angelic encounters or people of prayer. See, when you become a man or woman of prayer, you stir up a lot of angelic activity. You don't believe me? Ask Peter who was in prison. Peter was sleeping and bound in prison. The church starts to pray for Peter. And guess what happens? Because the church was praying for Peter, angelic activity was stirred up And Peter was set free, not by Peter's own prayer, but by someone else's prayer that was praying for him. So the the point is, when you start to pray specifically and consistently and fervently into something, things are stirred up in the spirit realm that you do not see. This angelic response was as a direct result, a direct result, not just an accident, encounters of this kind do not happen by accident you can't keep living in sin doing whatever you want to do live in disobedience and think that your life will be postured for this kind of an encounter daniel was in his elder years at this point daniel was no more a teenager at this point daniel was already in government daniel was not a pastor daniel was a politician daniel was in government Think of another guy in government right now that is the same kind of, an MP. Daniel was an MP kind of position. <laughs> and Daniel had given himself to pray three times a day since his youth. There's another verse here. I don't know if I've got it here. It says, uh, oh, it's probably earlier on, when the, 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 the decree was released that there, will be no, there should be no prayer. Uh, uh, This is Daniel 6, 10. It says, now, Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the decree that there should be no prayer. He went home in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees. Three times that day, he prayed and gave thanks before his God. Look at this phrase, as was his custom from his early days. Daniel knew that there was a decree against him. And if you're here when John Butcher preached, one of the things he said that really struck me, he says, when Daniel knew that there was persecution coming his way from the government, he didn't increase his amount of prayer. His prayer life did not change because there was persecution around. In other words, he had so much reserve of prayer that he just carried on doing what he always did. He wasn't like, oh, I'm being persecuted, so I'm going to pray a bit more now. He just did what he always did. But the point I want to make is, he says, as was his custom. Have you ever met someone that they have a certain custom where they have to have coffee every morning? So your your system has got used to having coffee at 8 every morning. You know, if your system gets used to having coffee at 8 every morning, when you don't have coffee at 8, your system tells you that the time is 8. Because your system has got accustomed to that way of life. And we have to get into a place where we become accustomed to prayer, where it's like it becomes a part of your system. You can't get away from it. Every day, this time, you're meeting to see God. It becomes a part of, say, you set an appointment with God. It's important. You keep your natural appointments, don't you? Well, how much more appointments with God? If I said to you, we're going to set an appointment with you and David Cameron next week at 5 a.m. in the morning. David Cameron wants to meet with you. There's no way you're not going to set your alarm and wake up and get ready for that appointment. So how much more if you send an appointment to meet with God at 6 a.m.? Do you not think he's waiting for you there? (laughs) You've purposed in your heart, Lord, I'm going to meet with you at this time. I'm going to give you this time. At that time, he's there waiting for you. How many times has he shown up and you've not shown up? How many times had he shown up with things he wanted to reveal to you, but all of a sudden, you're just lying on your bed snoring away? So I'm telling you, encounters of this kind do not happen by accident. I really do believe that. We can posture ourselves for God encounters. Now, having said that, I do know that people in the body of Christ that walk in unusual prophetic gifts where they see things in the spirit. I'm not talking about just gifting of seeing things because this is not gifting. Daniel was an intellectual. Have you ever met intellectual people? They tend to find spiritual things very difficult to connect with. Intellectual people are people that will struggle with the idea of praying in tongues. Intellectual people are the people who struggle with the idea of spiritual things. Have you ever met them? The whole... Great Britain probably comes under that mindset. We're very intellectual thinking. We always want to see things in the natural. That's the society we live in. People who don't tend to accept spiritual things. It always has to be a certain way. We always we we can explain God away, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Daniel was an intellectual, so I don't think it was Daniel's natural dispositions to have open visions like this, but he postured himself. That's why when the angel came to him, he says, Greatly beloved. Daniel says, Daniel, beloved. Because when you begin to seek God in an intense, consistent way, heaven takes notice. And no one may know your name on the earth, but heaven knows your name. See, I am concerned about heaven knowing my name. I am concerned about being famous in heaven. Do you want to be famous in heaven? Do you know you're going to get to heaven and there are people that are going to welcome you because they've been watching you going, wow, I saw the, I saw the, there's a cloud of witness surrounding us. It says in Hebrews, they're watching us. You're never alone. Never, ever are you alone. There's someone always watching. (laughs) I know that may sound creepy, but it's the truth. (laughs) You're never alone. They're always watching. And when we begin to live like we know we're never alone, and we begin to live like we know we're going to give an account for our lives, that's when we begin to live a life that carries the fear of God in it. Because we're aware that God cares about the decisions we make, good or bad, and it matters to him. Big deal. That's the fear of God. Daniel, greatly beloved. I believe people of prayer and people who seek God are greatly beloved. It's not to say say everyone else isn't loved. But heaven takes special notice of people who carry this lifestyle. It's a big deal to God. It is a big deal to God, more than we realize. In eternity to come, we will still be functioning in in this ideology of prayer. This idea of prayer is never going to end, you know. So you better get used to it now. Don't get to heaven and go, oh gosh, you know, I I wish I kind of learned this on the earth. Because another doctrine I do believe in is the fact that when we get to heaven, we're all going to receive rewards for the life we lived on earth. And everyone's reward is going to be different. It's not going to be where you're going to be jealous of other people. You're going to know that what you've received is in accordance to how you've lived. This life is like an internship. The real job is coming. So we better do well in this internship. How you live, what you speak. So some people may look and you go, well, why are you wasting your time doing this? Why are you wasting your time doing that? Why are you wasting your time praying and fasting and seeking God? Well, just say, you know what? I'm investing right now for what's ahead of me. I love what uh, Mike Bickle said to one person. that was saying, you know, why are you doing this? Because he had a a, a dramatic experience with the Lord where he, he went into the judgment seat of Christ. And he realized his life was wasted. And he was just weeping and crying and calling out to God for mercy. And after that, he started giving himself in a radical way to prayer and and fasting and seeking God. And someone came to him and said, you know, why are you doing all this, you know, preachers? And, you know, it's the grace of God. Have you heard that? It's all great. Just chill out. It's all done. Many times, that's a cold word for laziness. Many times, that's a cold word for people who are uncomfortable with the fact that you're going out for God in the way you are because it's making them feel uncomfortable about your level of dedication or sacrifice or whatever you're doing. Many times. Not all the time, but many times. Why are you you fasting? Why are you praying? It's already finished. It's already done. And my biblical said to him, if you can assure me that on the day of judgment your words will count before God, then I'll listen to you. On the day of judgment, it doesn't matter what, I mean, you're going to give account for things, you've heard things like this, you hear them right now, but you're going to give an account for your life and what you've done and what you've said and how you've lived. So I am not going to give an account for you, and you're not going to give an account for me. So I better make sure I am living right now as it pleases God. I'm saying, God, shock me now. Don't shock me then. A lot of people are going to be shocked on that day. I don't know why I'm going into this, but it's probably relevant that I go into this right now. Because this is not my message, but I believe this is the message that God wants to release. In Corinthians, it talks about our works being tested by fire. And there's wood, there's hay, and there's stubble. And there's gold, and there's silver, and there's precious stones. There's six classifications of works that's going to come out of believers. These are not unbelievers. These are believers. So I could do something for God, and that could be wood, hay, or stubble. Or it could be gold, precious stone, or gold, silver, or precious stone. And only God really knows. And He says each man's work will be tested for what sort it is, not for what size it is. What is, what is the quality? not what is the quantity? Because there's a lot of big things right now that before the judgment seat of Christ will be burned to ashes. Because the motivation, the heart, what I said about Jesus' temptation the first time, that, that how they've approached ministry is all with a fleshly mindset of impressing man and self-ambition, and it's nothing about heaven's agenda. It's all about just man's agenda and man's own things. And it's all going to be burned to ashes. But look at this, the wood and the hair and the stubble are things that are generally below the surface of the ground. Where do you find wood on trees, hair, and stubble? They're things that are grown on the surface of the ground. Gold, silver, and precious stones, they're things that you find beneath the ground. In other words, they're not things that are seen. They're things that are hidden from sight. And the things that heaven calls gold are the things that man calls wood. Because we do not value what heaven values. Heaven, heaven's value system is different to our value system. And God is saying, I'm calling you to dig deeper in me. I'm calling you to give yourself, read the Beatitudes, read the, the Sermon on the Mount, read how Jesus explained the constitution of the kingdom. Because that's the constitution, that's how the kingdom works. Those are the things that he's going to start to judge us with. Those are not going to change. And those things mean a lot to heaven, but many times they mean very little to us. That becomes the goal. Our devotional life before God, it's hidden. It's not what's seen. It's in secret. And that means a lot to God. And one day, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our lives. That's why it's very important that we're living right before God, not to impress anyone, not to try to get into any kind of positions in the church or do anything, stand on the platform, but because we're conscious. We have to live with an awareness that we're all going to give an account before God. We're all going to give an account before God. And God is God of love. I know that. In fact, it describes him as God is love. It's not not just God who loves. He is love. But you know another thing that it describes us: God is consuming fire. (laughs) <laughs> so how many times have you heard sermons on the consuming fire nature of God we hear a lot about the love of God and that's right because God so loved the world that I believe just as God loves and God is love in the same way that God is consuming fire and that is who he is he doesn't just release fire. He is a consuming fire. And then Paul, well, I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I think it's Paul. He it says, it's a, it's, a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. There is a side of God we don't know yet. And God is inviting us to embrace everything about him, not just the sign of him we like. Everything about him. He's, he's, a, he's a king. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's our bridegroom. He's is a Bridegroom. He's also a judge. It's also a judge, and it's going to judge us one day. And actually, right now is the time to say, God, I, I, I don't want to wait till then. I invite your judgments right now in my life. You know, begin to judge me, Lord. Show me those things that I need judging right now. Shock me now. Don't shock me then. I'm telling you, many Christians will be shocked. Shocked. It says um, that uh, many people will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. You know, that's a very scary thing. They, they function in a lot of activity. They did a lot of things. They functioned out of activity but not out of intimacy because he said to them at the end, I did not know you, even though they did things in his name. How many things are going on right now that look big in the eyes of man? We're impressing each other in the church. Great events here and there and here and there, all kinds of stuff. But in heaven's eye, it's just nothing. I do not know you. You know, anyone can fill a stadium, anyone can feel an arena, Madonna, Madonna, Beyonce, they can fill arenas, but that doesn't mean there's power there. I mean, there might be some other negative power in there, but it's not the power of the Holy Spirit. So numbers and success on the outside, or what seems like success on the outside, is not equating to success in heaven. I don't know why I'm staying on this point. I didn't plan to say this, but I need to say it. Uh, There are times when God will cause you to live a life that will not look like success in the eyes of people but it is success in the eyes of heaven see when jesus died on the cross for everyone else he'd failed what was heaven's greatest success to man was great failure isn't that funny so mother teresa says you know god has called us to be faithful not to be successful Now, that's not to say being faithful may not lead you to being successful in the eyes of man. But are you okay to be faithful and look like a failure in the eyes of man, even if you know heaven sees you as a success? (laughs) Are you willing for that? Not many people are. And it's a difficult thing because you want to look good in front of everyone. But I want to be more, I'm more concerned about what heaven thinks about me. And I always have to readjust my heart with that mindset. Okay, so that was a tangent that someone needed to hear. And I needed to hear that myself too. So, let's move on. Daniel 9, sorry, Daniel 10, 12. It says, then uh, the angel said, uh, 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 oh, Daniel 10, 11, Oh, Daniel, uh, your words. Oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. Okay. Uh, And it says, while the angel was speaking these words to me, I stood trembling. Verse 12. And then the angel said to Daniel, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day. Everyone say first first day. Again, from the first day. Okay, look at what it says. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before the Lord. What does it say? Your words were heard. Everyone say, your words were heard. heard. And then he goes on to say that I have come. So Daniel started praying on day one. And answer was released on when? Day one. Answer was not released on day 21. The answer was released on day one. (laughs) Okay? So Daniel's prayers were heard. He broke through in the heavens. I I, I don't even have time to go into this one now. The whole idea of breaking through. Because when we start praying, there are two dimensions of breakthrough as far as I understand our prayers need to break through the heavens and the opposition in the air okay? That's one dimension of breakthrough, and a lot of that is to do with our lifestyle and our hearts before God. When we live in sin and compromise, we cannot break through the heavens because what's in us, which is darkness many times in the area of compromise, is in alignment with what's functioning, the prince of the air, the darkness. So when there's an agreement with the darkness of and darkness here, we can't break through that darkness. Are you with me? Until we turn away from our wicked ways, and then when we pray in authority from that perspective, we break through the heavens. Are you with me? So Daniel's prayer was heard. Who he tells me it was a man who Lived in holiness, it was a man who lived a, a righteous life before God. Verse 13 This is where I'm going. He says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he says, Okay, so the answer was released on day one. And then, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. How many days is anyone here today? <laughs> the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood Daniel. How many days? Sorry, we, no, you didn't withstand Daniel. It was the angel bringing the answer to the prayer. How many days? Okay, so this is a high-ranking angel saying, your answer was released, and I was on my way to you, but I was resisted. And then he says, and behold, Michael is a warring angel. Okay, Michael, a warring angel, was Michael called chief princes. Are you with me? Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had I'd been left alone there with the kings of Persia. See, when he says the kings of Persia, he's not talking about the king of Persia like we read in verse 1 of chapter 10. He's talking about the prince of Persia. It it's, the prince of Persia is a principality, it's a demonic spirit. And principality refers to first in ranking. And one of the things I feel the Lord is calling me to do, is to start to understand how the government works. And I was having a discussion with Becky about this. I I don't understand why in school we're not taught how the political system works, how the government works. Do you understand the relationship between the House of Lords and the House of Parliament? Do you understand how things work in all these political parties? Not many people understand it. you just hearing it on the news and just go with it. I'm thinking there's a need to understand the systems that are in place. Because I, I can't prove this, but I do have a feeling there is a link between those systems and the hierarchy. And also the demonic systems and the hierarchy. What I mean by that is, principality refers to the first in rank. Okay? And then in Ephesians, it says, uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rank one, against powers, two, against rulers of darkness, against uh, hosts of wickedness, or something like that. And th- that describes the ranking. And they have specific and unique job descriptions. Are you with me? <laughs> they have... And I was saying, you know, Lord... And I was saying, not calling in, Lord. We're praying. And I say. Becky, we need to have more revelation on how the demonic hierarchy works. You know why? Because it's going to affect how strategic we are in our intercession. When we're fighting an enemy we cannot see, we need to understand how to be effective in shifting those principalities. Because if the principality is the first in ranking, I don't want to just go for demons. I want to go for the first in ranking because when the first in rank comes down, guess what happens? All the demons follow. Goliath was a picture of a principality. When Goliath fell down, guess what happened? That was it. The battle was over. Okay, so I know there warfare strategies and revelations yet to be unlocked to the body of Christ on how to deal with principalities and intercession, not just hearsay, but an understanding of real spiritual warfare. And I know there's more revelation to come. And over the next few months, years, we're going to be hearing more, more about what really goes on and how the body of Christ can be rightly postured. Because principalities deal with destiny of nations principalities are not some little demons that are cast out. Okay, Principalities are high ranking and carry a lot of authority. Principalities report directly to Satan himself. Principalities are significant. Just as the demonic principalities, guess what? They are angelic principalities. What does it say in verse 13? It says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me to one days, but behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. Michael is a principality himself. One of the chief princes was sent. Why am I saying all this? I'm talking about the government in the UK. Okay? It says in verse 1 of chapter 10, King of Persia. And the king of Persia is who? Cyrus. Behind the physical king of Persia is a principality, the prince of Persia. Is anyone here today? Behind the presidents and rulers of nations are principalities. David Cameron is the prime minister In a sense, in the natural sense, he's the first in ranking in government. Behind him is a demonic principality, whether he knows it or doesn't know it. But there's also an angelic principality assigned for Great Britain. My God, I love the idea that, you know, it's it's not just just demonic principalities out there. There are also angelic principalities who have nations as their assignment. There's an angelic principality over Great Britain. And the praise of the saints affects the battle that goes on in the heavens. So, whatever laws have been made in parliament, whatever decisions have been made, it's not just the decisions that they're making. There's always an influence bringing those decisions. There's always something behind the scenes. Everyone say behind the scenes. There's always something going on behind the scenes that no one sees. And you know, most of the church there, we're just fighting issues. We're fighting the abortion issue. We're fighting the, you know, the homosexual issue. We're fight- and nothing wrong with standing against those things. But those are demonic ideologies that have been released by principalities who are over nations. And we have to learn how to break through in the heavens that those things shift because that's the source of the demonic ideology. So if we really want to see God's kingdom advance in this nation in these next five years, we need to be praying for those in government right now that the demonic principalities will not be coming in and influencing their decisions more than the kingdom of heaven. Because just like King Cyrus was, King Cyrus also anointed to do some things that God called him to do. King Cyrus was the one that I believe wrote the letter for the, for the nation to be set free out of captivity. Where do you think that idea came from? That was an angelic principality influencing his decision. Because somebody was praying, Daniel was praying. Daniel read the book of the prophecy, understood that, and starts to pray. And then God releases the idea to King Cyrus. And then King Cyrus makes a law because Daniel starts to pray. So, as we start to pray, we influence the heavens. And the laws that have been made in parliament, we can shift that. But if we just react to the laws, oh, the government have decided to do this. Oh, we need to stand against them. We need to do this and do this. In the natural, we're not going to be effective in this battle. We have to take this battle to the gates. And we have to beat the enemy at his own game. And we have to be consistent in our prayer for those in authority. Because as we pray for them, we open... See, Peter was set free out of prison, not by his own prayer. He was set free out of prison by the church's prayer. As we pray for David Cameron more, what would happen if the body of Christ raised up thousands of intercessors daily praying for the prime minister, daily praying for the queen, daily praying for these people. Do you know what's going to happen? We're going to stir up angelic activity around them. When they go to bed, they'll dream about God. And their laws will be influenced by God. Their actions will be influenced by heaven. But many of us get irritated by what they've already said they're going to do in their manifesto and we, you know, whatever we know the conservative party stands for. And we start to fight the battle in the flesh and we're not taking the battle to the gates in the heavenlies. So we lose the battle and we start making the confession like we're doomed for the next five years. Guess what? If you declare it, so it will be. Your words are powerful. I said it on the video I put out on thinking. Your words are powerful. Your words have prophetic implication when you speak. And praying for our leaders is not just gathering together and saying, let's pray for David Cameron right now. Praying for our leaders is that and more, how we speak about them. That is part of our prayer. Because people can be, that's why sometimes it's good to break curses that people release over you we pray, God, right now I break every curse that anyone has released over me, knowingly or unknowingly. People can speak curses over you. And sometimes they know what they're saying, sometimes they don't know what they're saying, they just speak it out. If that is possible, which I believe is true, then people can speak curses through negativity over the leaders of the nation. By saying we're going to be doomed. Well, if you say that and keep saying it, you empower the demonic forces to make that possible. How much more if you start speaking what heaven wants to say over the nation? Do you not think you empower angelic forces to fulfill that? You speak it and you pray it. You speak it and you pray it. You speak it and you pray it consistently. And I believe in these days we're living in, God is calling us to influence laws, to influence principalities, to influence powers, and to shift things. And you see, you can do that and no one even know your name. That's the exciting thing about it. You can do that and no one knows. And when you get to heaven, before you realize your prayer added to something that broke loose in the heaven. You know what I mean? Powerful, isn't it? Well, to be honest with you, I had a different uh, uh, thing I was going to teach today. But I do feel like that's what I needed to say. I'm running up now because it's, it's almost 10. Um, I really do believe God is calling us as the people of God uh, in this nation to begin to take on responsibility for government and i want to challenge you just as i'm going to be doing in my in my life right now uh, because i feel god's been speaking to me about this is to start to understand how government works start to understand who are the people in the cabinet right now you know who who are those people okay how does that work and let's begin to posture ourselves to be a people who consistently starts to pray for God's purposes in the nation. Because those people out there in parliament, they influence a lot of things that happen in the nation. And I need to say this to round up as well. Having said all of that, for God to break out in this nation, he doesn't need David Cameron to do that. God breaking out over the church and revival and all these things we pray for, a great awakening, he doesn't need the government to do that. God can break out like he's doing in China right now, even though the government is not ideal. God can do that. And God will do that. But when we pray for the government, we make it possible for the kingdom to advance in the land at large without hindrance, interference. And you know, someone sent me an email the other day, you know, maybe we're going to enter a time of persecution, who knows? Because sometimes it ends up being persecution that causes the people of God to wake up and cause the people of God to see God in a very fervent, consistent way. I don't know if that's going to be the case of Great Britain, but I know right now one of the things stirring in my heart is to make sure we're contending for this nation's prophetic destiny. Um, I round up with this. God has a redemptive purpose for this nation. God has a unique purpose for Great Britain. There's a purpose in God's books that have been written and i don't believe for one for once that has been fulfilled in its fullness obviously i know things have been abused in history and all kinds of terrible things have happened from this nation but there've been good things that have come out of this nation for example the bible and missionaries and i don't believe for one that for once that god has forgotten the seeds that came out of great britain those people who shed their blood for this nation they prayed prayers for our generation right now, that those prayers are not dead. Prayers never die. They're still in the heaven. God still hears those prayers. And when we pray our prayers, uh, it becomes like a synergy of the ages. Their prayers join in with our prayers and it's the hearts of the fathers turning to the sons because they're the forefathers of this land and their prayers turn to our prayers and there's a combination of that in the heavens and there's a breakout of the opponent of God's spirit. I don't believe God has forgotten that. There's a prophetic destiny that Great Britain has. Just like I believe there's a prophetic destiny that Manchester as a city carries and i know i was speaking to my wife about this this morning and you know there's some things that god is calling us to see breakthrough in but it starts with us understanding our posture our position in the heavens and beginning to take this mantle of intercession do you understand what i mean